the biggest game in African football has taken place. And yes, Al Ahli have won their 10 title. They cleaned the clocks of Kaiser Chiefs, winning 3 0 in Casablanca. And with me, I have an all star cast from all around the world to dissect and discuss what happened. Uh, we have Courtney Fries, who is in the UK with me. Our man, the suavest man in world football, Francis Nkwain, who is in Yaoundé, Cameroon. And an award-winning football writer from Cape Town, South Africa, kickoffs, Lawrence Kohler. Guys, welcome to the podcast. I hope in your part of the world, it's nice, it's sunny and it's festive. It's gotta be, that's why you guys are so tired. Happy Sunday, <laughs> good to see you all. <laughs> well, Francis, given that you answered me first, we're gonna get straight into the pod. Give me your impressions of the final. What did you make of uh, Al Ahli's um, title win in Casa? Um, first impressions, uh, I think it really was a very beautiful display um, of where African football is and where it's heading. Um, it's a shame we didn't have a crowd uh, in, in Casablanca. We'd gotten used to seeing football almost return to normalcy with the Euros. Um, and there was a little bit of a hope that uh, we could have had uh, supporters in the stands, but um, in terms of the display, love the quality of the football. Uh, I think uh, uh, Pizzo, Coach Pizzo in particular, I enjoyed the technical aspects, the tactics. Um, I know the second half, okay, it's 11 v 10, but even in the first half when you had the pressure coming in, it's the way the team was organized. Um, the quality of the football was really, really impressive personally. I really enjoyed that part, but I also loved how international it was. You know, the ability to see, uh, there was uh, an Englishman, I believe, uh, on the bench for a South African team, a South African on the bench for an Egyptian team, a Nigerian goalkeeper who hadn't conceded many goals up until yesterday and unfortunately picked up three from the back of his net but I mean there was something really fresh about that there was a Serbian on the pitch uh, and it was really proud it, it felt like we were part of the international game and to that I, we must give credit it, it didn't it didn't feel particularly local or tribal it felt like part of global football and that was nice to see and the quality of the game was really good just looking at the game from my point of view yesterday I just enjoyed what I saw. Uh, Chiefs looked a bit nervous. Al-Ahli looked like the team who were the confident. They've been there before. They understood the occasion. Um, I thought they played the game very well. Obviously, the red card changes the game drastically. Um, but you always felt that Al-Ahli had that next gear to step up into and take the game away from Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, for Kaiser Chiefs, I just felt there, there were some big players who really didn't perform. Like Bernard Parker, I was very disappointed with his performance um, yesterday. Um, but in that 3-0 defeat, there was a youngster in there, Ngosi uh, Ngobo. I can't, uh, I'm not too sure of his, of his first name, but that kid came out of there with a bit of credit. And I think that's one for the future. He's come through Kaiser Chiefs' uh, youth development system played 25 games this season more than he's ever played um he really looked like a future prospect but al-Ahli are giants they're a team above Kaiser Chiefs um 
the results yesterday just rubber stamped the authority. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with Courtney there. Um, in terms of Nkosi Ngobo, um, not just him, Njabulo Blom and the guy Happy Mashiane who got sent off, unfortunately. They are some of the prospects um, of the future for the club. I think Ngobo can become like the next Akiba Shabalala for, for Kaiser Chiefs. He's got a cultured left foot. But I mean, that's, that's exactly the, the, the problem and the, the, the gulf between the two teams last night. You have prospects on the pitch on the one side and you have Champions League treble winners on the other side. So, you know, it's just uh, the, the status of the two teams is chalk and cheese. Um, but I think the big winner on the night was African football because I think the game and Chiefs just reaching the final of a continental competition has elevated the status and the interest of CAF Champions League football in South Africa, which is a huge market on the continent. And that should never be underestimated. So yes, Chiefs lost, but they made South Africa proud. South Africa is obviously going through, you know, some turmoil right now. And it was just something that was good for the country and to look forward to. And even though um, Al-Akhli won, South Africa still have some sense of pride um, with, you know, Peter Musiumani becoming the first African coach to win the Champions League three times. Um, so I really enjoyed the game. Um, perhaps it wasn't, you know, as, um, you know, competitive because of the red card. But Chiefs really can hold himself proud. Um, they weren't able to sign any place for two transfer windows. They came eight in the domestic league and it just put them on the map and the rest of the continent knows who Kaiser Chiefs is now. And that's the most important thing. Chiefs, obviously a powerhouse brand in South Africa, along with the Orlando Pirates, the two biggest teams in the country. Um, Lawrence, when you look to the future for, for Kaiser Chiefs, um, what would you suggest would be the best way forward for them? They finished eighth in the league. They obviously replaced Gavin Hunt with Stuart Baxter. Um, Give us a sense of, uh, if you were to gaze in your crystal ball, what, what their goals would be, what, what they would be expecting to do um, in the off-season going into the new season. Look, in the pre-match uh, press conference, the first thing I asked Baxter was, when you agreed to return to Chiefs, um, was it agreed that you should win the CAF Champions League because you guys were so close? He kind of sidestepped it um, because... In my opinion, and probably in the rest of Chiefs' opinion, because of the, the, the inconsistency and turmoil that the club's been in over the past few years, I think it's now about you know the structures, getting the structures and the stability right in the club. Even though it's such a big brand, they need to go back to step one. And they've done that by hiring Baxter, somebody who knows the club, somebody who brings guaranteed success, with, whether it's, you know, you'll win a trophy, guaranteed. It's like the, the, the Mourinho factor of when United brought him. They knew he was going to win trophies. But not just that, they brought in Mulefi in Turkey as the technical director who's got an incredible um, record of youth development. So he's going to, to, to restructure the club from, you know, the, 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 the under seven, under eight, under nine levels. Um, they brought in Kaiser Mutang Jr. as the sporting director. So there's a bit of a European uh, a structure being set up in Chiefs for not just for next season, but for the future generations of, of, of success. So, look, they've already um, unveiled seven new signings. They've brought back a youngster that was at Swallows, um, given to Betty. So I do think next season will be another transitional season where, um, you know, many of the older players are, are moved on, that the Parkers, the Katandes, maybe um, 
uh, might even see Kune, you know, stepping back into 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 a, a coaching role, perhaps, and then as, as a second choice or a third choice goalkeeper. So it's going to be an interesting, um, you know, future for Chiefs. The fans, really, really talented players, but um, they don't really have much success on their CVs um, arriving at the club. But with Baxter, you know, you know, coming with with, with pedigree, I think Coach Bufana having won the league double twice at Chiefs. Um, I do think that he is the right man to to set them up um, for for the for the for the future at the club. When we cast an eye to Al Ahli Lawrence, um, it was Mahmoud Al Khatib, affectionately known as Bebo, the president of uh, the the Cairo Giants, who recruited Pizzo Mosemane from Sundowns to come to the team. Um, do you think that faith has been repaid? Of course, Pizzo becoming the first sub-Saharan African to coach the African Giants, and now win um, two Champions League trophies in the space of a few months. He, he basically said that in his own words um, uh, after winning winning the the tenth title Al Ashraf for Al Ahly. He said he needs to thank um, Bibo for you know believing in him and. I think he, he wanted to emphasize that, you know, the, the whole thing of hiring European coaches for African giants is overrated. Um, he said, look, look what I've done, look what Belmadi has done. But he also was trying to emphasize that these triumphs in Africa should be celebrated more. He said, look, uh, if I was the Liverpool coach, then I would be celebrated. I would be up for the FIFA award. I would be up for... My players would be up for Ballon d'Or and whatever. But he was just trying to say, like, this is the time. Like, I am living proof that African coaches can lead big teams and can win big trophies. So I think it's not just the, the faith of Tatib, but it's the, you know, the, the result of Pizzo that is very important. And it also shows that, you know, South African teams. I think he, he kind of threw shade at Baxter uh, a little bit um, when he was saying that. Um, but let's not get into that. Um, we need to celebrate, you know, Musimani's achievement and we need to celebrate that Al Ahli, you know, won their 10th title and they further cemented their legacy as the undisputed greatest team in African football. I think um, it's a very good point that you make there, Lawrence. And uh, to speak to, to, to the point you raised, Zane, I think one of the most interesting things was he did an interview where he was saying um, one of the things he enjoys is the quality of his relationship with Bebo. And I think that speaks a lot. There's, I, I support a club in Manchester United where part of the challenge between ownership or direction and management in terms of coaching on-field and off-field that dynamic is usually when you feel like you're not dealing with footballing people. And I think he highlighted the fact that the respect uh, and the understanding, the comprehension of what it is he is trying to do on field is supported and complemented by the fact that there is management upstairs that understands the game, uh, that has a clear definition of the roles that, the complementary roles that they bring to the structure that is the club. Um, and I think when you have such a beautiful mix, um, you're bound to have success. Um, it's not guaranteed, but you, you stand a, a fighting chance. So I think mm -hmm. Bebo in particular, the respect that he engenders, uh, I think sometimes you can have some people who overstate the case because they are such legends in the game. Uh, they may cast a very big shadow. 
but I think he has struck a good enough balance, giving credit where credit is due, uh, allowing space for Pizzo to cast his own shadow over the space that he controls, which is the pitch. And he has proven that his decision to come or go to South Africa and pick a person who he already knew in 2016 had won this trophy. It wasn't like a, an, a misplaced adventure. They did say, this is why we're going there because of how we suffered against this gentleman's team. That so we would go out and get this person and we think with what we have, we should be able to have more success. So I think the really mm-hmm. interesting thing is more how long the success could go on for. If this is the ceiling for Pizzo where he feels fulfilled where he is and says, okay, I want to do a Sir Alex Ferguson and sit here and repeat this over the next five years. Or if he has mm-hmm. other ambitions or other clubs I- can look at that and say, here is a coach, just like Lawrence was saying, who is capable of doing this that we could celebrate. Mm-hmm. And we begin to say, how do we extract him from that space and test his mm-hmm. hand, whether it be in Europe or whether it be in, in with the MLS, for example, which is a very ambitious league and they give opportunities. He could be the mm-hmm. Chinese Super League, well, I mean, beyond our shores, where he joins, really engages with the global game. But I think that would be his choice. Um, I think he's done his CV and his reputation no harm uh, at all. It's actually increased his stock and it's a joy to see. It really is. And as a Pan-Africanist, I love the fact that an African club gave an opportunity to an African coach. Uh, where he hails from really shouldn't matter. I think it's also important to note that um, it's quite obvious what uh, his objective is at the club. To win the Champions League, uh, win the league, win, ev- win every cup and compete for the Club World Cup, which matches his ambitions. Um, that's his 17th title of his career last night. And um, he's won everything that he could have won um, in South African football sundown. So he always said, you know, I need to go where I'm tested and where, um, where, where, the, weather is, where the weather is hot. He doesn't want to stay where the weather is cold, he said. Um, and if, if you look at Al-Akhli, it's all about prestige. The title is not about winning money. For example, if you win the Egyptian Premier League, you don't win any money. You don't, you don't win any prize money. You win the CAF Champions League, you win $2.5 million. And that basically pays the salary of Junior Ajayi and um, Ali Malul. So you play two player salaries for winning the CAF Champions League. So this is literally about prestige and history and that falls perfectly into what Pizza Musimani is all about. And as soon as he won that title, he already said, okay, now it's about the next game. I'm going to prepare my next Egyptian Premier League game like I prepared this CAF Champions League final. But I know deep down inside, he's already thinking about facing Chelsea in the Club World Cup. I think he feels that there's a better chance of, of winning the Club World Cup against Chelsea than it was against Bayern Munich. So I'm thinking, I know that's something that he's really excited about and the squad is excited about. And that is his ultimate goal of winning the Club World Cup. Because as you know, historically, it's not likely that Pizzo is going to walk into an Arsenal or to a Chelsea or to a Real Madrid, even though he's showing that he is capable of managing any club in the world with his you know, world-class tactics, his technical team is second to none. Um, but yeah, I think if he does win the club World Cup one day, uh, that, that could change the narrative and, and open more doors for him. 
I think the bridge between European football and African football, Pizzo's doing a fantastic job to try and close that bridge that exists with his skills and his ability as a manager at the moment. Long may that continue because now, he, obviously, his pedigree has grown. When he went to his current team, Al Ahly, last season, uh, they were far into the Champions League. I think he had two games to get to the final, won it, yes. Mm. Uh, a lot of people threw a lot of stones at him while the team was there. The, another person set the side up and so on and so on. Mm. But this year he's mm. taken him from the very beginning and dominated mm. this trophy. And mm. dominated it, but also for us in the media, and I'll say that, also been very accessible to people. Mm. So uh, the, the, the guy is media savvy. The guy's got the mm. right people around him. I'm, I'm just happy mm. for his success to continue growing. But he's also, mm. he's bid to narrow the gap between Africa and Europe. Mm. This guy is going to make that jump to another team. As Francis mentioned, it could be America. It could be the Chinese league when it's up and running again. Or it could even be into somewhere else in Europe. But he has the pedigree. How can you be a, a CEO or a manager sitting in an office somewhere and thinking, who do I include? Who's very successful out there that nobody knows about that we could employ? Mm. And then you, his name has to come up. And I'm talking mm. about a team like uh, in Germany, this uh, team RB Leipzig, who are so forward thinking. It's teams like that that could look at this manager. Because he is pulling out trees at the moment. Guys, this is why we are the biggest bry in world football, because we can sit, we can talk, we can debate, and we can look forward. Um, thank you for all joining. It was an incredible African Champions League final, if you're not a likely fan. Disappointing if you're Chiefs. But as Lauren said so importantly, it was a celebration for Africa. It was something that we could all celebrate and get behind. Um, and when... Pizzo joined us on our podcast to preview the final. He said that Patrice Motsepe was his lucky charm. Patrice was there. Patrice gave the trophy. And Al-Akhli won. Well, let's see if that can be taken through to the Club World Cup. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Lawrence. Always a home for you around our bride. Francis, good to see you again. And Courtney, you. enjoy the sun. Thank you.